Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Fight the Fate. I'm here with Brian Davies. Here. I'm Mike Bonomo, and we are doing an episode on the most famous of gunslingers that ever rode through the West. He rode through the East. He was all over the United States. He went wherever he left bodies in his wake, wherever he went. We are talking about Doc Holliday. <laughs> the rootinest, tootinest cowboy. The rootinest, tootinest dentist you ever seen this side of the Mississippi to put a six-shooter about 100 yards into your pedestal. <laughs> he had a precise shot, a shot that was so deadly. He only needed one bullet. Call me one shot, Doc, little boy. And uh, All right, so his real name was John Henry Holliday. Born in Griffin, Georgia, August 14th, 1851, just a year before exiting his mother's canal. Doc's parents had an infant daughter that didn't make it through infancy, so his baby sister was not there. When he was born, his father, Henry Burroughs Holiday, was a veteran of the Mexican-American and Civil War on the Confederate side. After returning home from the Mexican-American, Henry brought back an adopted Mexican boy, Francisco Hidalgo. This young boy, he snatched up a boy from Mexico. He straight robbed him. Well, you see, he was up for the taking, and I was in need of a child. I had a bit of land back there, needed some tilling, and I figure, war-torn Mexico or sunny, humid Georgia, you take your pick, Michael. He just wanted to do the right thing, give a nice young boy a home. Tell me, Michael, would you prefer desert or swamp? Swamp. Swamp all day. Every swamp, time. Yeah. Every single time. It may not be the best water, but there's water. So Doc was, uh, he was baptized in 1852 in the Presbyterian Church of Griffin. His father was a pharmacist back then. Probably worked at CVS or something. They used to call it a druggist back then. Like I was like, I didn't know that. They just called it a druggist. I'm pretty sure that's what they called me at rehab. That's what I mean. So now they switched it to pharmacists to make it sound better. But you guys are really just druggists. Yeah, yeah, they're they're pharmacological. You take the Oxycontin and you give it to the pain addict and you get him on heroin. One thing I didn't know was that he was born with a cleft palate and had to have corrective surgery. The real reason I got that Mexican boy is because that fucking ugly lip of my son's. I couldn't look at the thing, so I figured I'd get, uh, wh- wh- what's your name again, boy? <laughs> Francisco uh, yeah, I, I, Hidalgo. I'd get Francisco Hidalgo <laughs> here, and he would, uh, you know, not be ugly. No, but, I mean, imagine going through life back then with a cleft palate. Everyone was making fun of you. Everyone was treating you like a piece of shit. Throwing rocks. I know it's not right. It's not the right thing to do. But back then, it didn't matter. You see a line in someone's lip, their front two teeth are showing, you smack them across the face. Like the hunchback in Notre Dame. Hell yeah. So by 1864, the entire family moves to Valdosta, Georgia. And shortly after Doc's mother, Alice Jane Holiday, dies of tuberculosis, Within a couple months of her passing, his adopted brother, Francisco Hidalgo, 
also succumb to the disease. Now you see the reason you pick up stray kids. You know, I'm just losing family members left and right, and I'm a, I'm a druggist. I should be able to solve this problem with drugs, but they're dead, so I'm back to old Clefty. You know where you can find, probably find tuberculosis these days? COVID. COVID wards? <laughs> no, in L.A. when there is no COVID. They're bringing uh, back old age diseases. You talking about uh, cholera and meals, mumps, and rubella? Yeah. I thought rubella was a type of pie. Is it? A rhubarb uh, pie. Oh, rhubarb? Yeah. Yeah, so I'm sure it tastes the same. So before his mother dies, she spends most of her spare time working with Doc to correct his speech. She didn't want him to get made fun of growing up. Passing on her southern etiquette and manners, Doc would be defined by this. He like he became he was taught well what I was trying to say with all them words. He was taught well. Mother <laughs> Do I do I talk good like the other boys? Mother Mother Oh, I don't have that twang quite yet. Oh, I gotta work on it. So this was a tough thing dealing with his mother's death. Like he, that was his best friend. So when she, she was gone, he started pouring himself into all of his studies. And in 1970, he moves to Philadelphia to attend Pennsylvania college of dental surgery, graduating five months before his 21st birthday. The school held his degree until he was legal to practice. They told me I was the smartest boy in class. (laughs) Yeah. Now, by this time, I'm speaking like a well-mannered gentleman. Now, I'm just kidding. I'm a southern hick. He's a well-mannered gentleman. Uh, Well-mannered is a matter of perspective, Michael. No, he really was. At this point, he was doing all the right things deep into the books. Michael, deep down in my heart, I just want to root, toot, and shoot. No, not yet. Root, toot, and shoot, Michael. He has to. He'll shoot someone in class, but you that he was starting to think that before people did it these days. Have I told you about what happened at the waterhole? Nah, we're not there yet. Don't tell me about that. Because right now, at the water. <laughs> 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 so he, yeah, he couldn't practice uh, dentistry yet, but now he moves in with his uncle in Atlanta. He got his first job working in the office of Dr. Arthur C. Ford. And after a long day of practicing practicing his craft, he and a few guys decide that they're going to go for a swim in their favorite swimming hole. This hole is located on his uncle's land. And by Doc's surprise, when he gets there, he sees a group of African-American youth already enjoying themselves. So picture this. I get done home from a day of dentistry practicing my craft. And there's just a couple of boop at the water hole. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I said, you boop, get out of here. Get, get on out of here, you boop. So he drew his pistol on him. Doc fired multiple shots over their heads to scare him off. And one of the young men started firing back at him. Luckily, no one was harmed. And from here on out, we will see that his love affair with his six-shooter comes into fruition. 
Now, there's this other guy. There's this guy called uh, Bat Matterson, and he's a writer on... Uh, he specializes in fairy tales. And he, he wrote a lot about Doc Holliday, and nobody believes him. But he wrote that he already... He killed two of them African-American boys, and nobody believes that that really happened. Now, you see what had happened was a uh, young bat, you know, quite the name boys got, lost a game of cards to me. And since forever, he's been writing stories about my my visage, my visage, <laughs> my, my, relember, my remembrance. So, so no one gets harmed. He moves on, and he's, now he's steadily working as a dentist. And Did you mention my father went for the Confederacy, right? You said that? Yeah. Now he's uh he's about to receive a bit of horrible news. Feeling weak, he decides to head to the doctor's office to get checked out. The prognosis is tuberculosis. Most likely passed on from his mother or adopted brother. When somebody tells you you have tuberculosis, you try to get a second opinion and a third opinion, and a fourth opinion until you can buy off a doctor until he says you're fine. I am myself somewhat of a medical professional <laughs> as a dentist. So <laughs> I, I thought I would get a second opinion because <laughs> I just couldn't believe it. And like, he had to question my medical degree. <laughs> So he gets the second, he gets the third, he gets a fourth, and all of them deliver the same news. You have tuberculosis. Turns out I have the cough. (laughs) They told him his life would be cut short. Most of the doctors tell him he should move to warmer, drier climates to prolong his life. Now, Doc packs his bags and decides to take his life to Dallas, Texas, the last great city before the Western frontier. Now, if he travels any further, he would have entered a dangerous landscape of uncivilized culture. I'm talking about the dirty West, not the dirty South, the dirty West. Now, you see, back then, boys and girls, the land was untamed. There were Indians fighting left and right. They would scalp themselves, each other. So, as a white man, walking around, you were numero uno, as the, as the Mexican fellas like to say. Numero uno on their list. They want you. They want you and only you. Native Americans will skin your ass. Michael, it's pronounced Indian. <laughs> I know, back then, no one gave the fuck. Yeah, but today, we have to go by the, uh, what's what do they want? What do they want to be called? And that's what we do. We try to do. They, Michael, they would like to be called winners, but they are not. No, that's one thing they were not. But let's get back to Doc Holliday, because this has nothing to do with it. So Doc fit right in when he got to Dallas. So he partnered up with his doc, his father's old friend, Dr. A. Seeger. Together, they would go on to win countless awards for dentistry. They won at the annual fair of North Texas agriculture, the mechanical, the bloodstock association at the Dallas County Fair. What the fuck are these names? Well, you see, back then, dentistry was considered an art form, you know. No, it wasn't. The, the cutting out of a tooth from a alive flesh, the 
the filling of a cavity with gold. It was something to be seen, Michael, and often not seen in the West. Not many dentists out there. Quite a lucrative opportunity for myself if I do not so show my ass, as the expression were. You just made all that up. You're no, saying sure. there wasn't a lot of dentists around in the Old West? No, Michael, dentists weren't flocking to the Savage West. No, they weren't. You probably went to, like, there was dentists, but they were something else first. Like, like they did that on the side. Like how the barber used to be a surgeon? Is that what you're referring to? No, we're not talking about the medieval times, Michael. No, they would do that. Michael, I have a medical degree in (laughs) dentistry. And if you argue with me again, sir, we will have problems. And this six shooter will come out, sir. And I don't know if you've heard of my reputation, but they call me one shot doc. Because I don't miss, boy. (laughs) All right. I digress. So on March 2nd, 1874, dissolving their partnership, Doc ventures to open up his own brand new practice. It doesn't last long. While working on patients, Holiday would slip into harsh coughing fits. One by one, the patients take their business elsewhere. Well, you see, you have a rotten molar, and if you could open up wider and... <laughs> 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 oh, yeah, yeah. That that tooth there is quite rotten, boy, and uh, we'll need to extract it right out. Oh, you got a little bit of spittle in the back of your throat. I'll just get that, swab that real quick. Just got worse and worse. Uh, Doc's nights were prolonged. He was drinking alcohol all night. Gambling became his primary source of income. And 10 days after arriving in Dallas, Holiday is arrested with 12 others for illegal gambling. These gunfights that are going to go on are just a normal activity in town. All the local citizens love seeing the action and would break out into laughter. Luckily, no one is injured or killed until a couple days later. So he's just hanging out, having fun, and he gets into an argument with a prominent citizen And that was enough to set him off. Doc put two precise bullets in the man and decided it might be time to get out of town. Now, you see, this man, he was bothered by my cough. (laughs) And uh, I took umbrage with that because my cough is but mild, and especially out in these climates, uh, it's well-managed and well-maintained and should not be a bother to anyone. And uh, so I put two in his head. Did you really read that's what the reason was? No. <laughs> I think it was something with cards. It had to be something with cards. He pack. said, "My." he told me, he says to me, you're coughing, sir. You're cheating. You're trying to give yourself <laughs> away to the dealer. It's some kind of code. And I said, sir, I have tuberculosis. Now, are you a medical professional, sir? And he said, and this is foul language, Michael, fuck your medical degree, sir, to which I replied, papa. You know what? Shut up, tuberculosis boy. Listen here, you little Nazi haircut motherfucker. <laughs> I'll put six in your head right now. All six bullets. I only need one, but I'll go the extra mile for you. So he shoots this guy, kills him, and he's like, let's go. He starts, he rides out to Jacksboro, Texas with a bounty on his head, and Doc was just getting started. 
another disagreement happened. Again, it's enough to leave a soldier from Fort Richardson dead in the street. Now, you protest this, uh, this claim that he killed a soldier. You tell me I killed a soldier and they didn't send the entire fucking army after me. They did. Who? What are, and they didn't get it me? It says the right here on this perfectly planned script that the United States government opens an investigation being chased down by the Army, Texas Rangers, and the U.S. Marshals. And what happened? All those boys couldn't find little old me? The well, coffin yeah. dentist? I'm sure they didn't put out that many. That's like when you say that, you got like two people on the road. Michael, Michael, I can't rightly hide. I have a cough. <laughs> uh, it's not like I can stay quiet like Anne Frank and hide in the hide in the attic. <laughs> Either yeah. way, he's got a bounty on his head, and even local citizens were about to like you know you see a bounty, just like in a video game, you see a bounty on someone like I need that money. So you got local citizens looking for him. People are looking for him. We don't know to the extent, but I think it's the entire United States government. Peasants, one and all. <laughs> so he travels 800 miles west from Texas, and it says that he shot three more men on the road. We don't know if those are real. Could just be added to the story, but he has the bounty on him. So he arrives in Denver, Colorado. Doc's, Doc decides to change his name to Tom Mackey to avoid further detection. I was the original Mr. Mackey. Okay. <laughs> Wait, was that his? That was his name, Mr. Matt, Tom Mackey, Mr. Mackey. Okay, okay. You can get this six shooter in your face, okay. So on three fifty seven Baker Street, he started up as a faro card dealer at Babbitt's house. Staying low key was going well until he got into a bit of a scrum with card player Bud Ryan. Never get into an argument with a guy named Bud. No, they tend to uh, lose their tempers quite quick. <laughs> you got Doc and you got Bud Ryan arguing over another card game. And these two men stand three feet away from each other. Bud is shouting at the top of his lungs. Staying steady, Doc is up to the challenge. Before anyone knew what happened next, Blood is pouring onto the card table and dripping to the floor. And do you know what I said? I said, boy, I think there's a hole in the back of your mola. And he said, what, sir? And I said, pow. <laughs> Big fucking hole now, boy. Doc's knife cut deep into Bud Ryan's face and neck and side and arm and toe and finger. We don't, I don't know where I stabbed him. Said face and neck. I don't know. I mean, in the movie... In essentials, it was about his body. That's what you need to know. In and about his face, torso, and legs. The thing I was reading said he almost decapitated him. Little old me, decapitate him, man. So I like to believe that version. Do you know what nimble, delicate fingers it takes to do dentistry, Michael? <laughs> decapitate a man like I'm some kind of native savage? Yeah, you were using like a scalpel. It was a Swiss army knife, Michael. The thing can't cut spam. <laughs> he should have survived the encounter. He did survive the encounter. Miraculously, 
he survived the encounter. And it was it wasn't surprising that Tom Mackey is no longer favored in town. I'm gonna head out, okay. You gotta get out. So he's got more bounties on his head. He keeps moving. He I mean, I didn't even cover how many times he actually moves from place to place in this script because he moves from town to town to state to state to state. He's just on the move, gambling, drinking alcohol, and occasionally he'll kill someone. I was born a rambling man. So he hits the road. And these are some of the places that he went. He went to Wyoming, to New Mexico, back to Texas. And in Texas, he meets two important people. One night in John Shancy's saloon, a loud, fearless, high-tempered prostitute catches his eye. Her name is Big Nose Kate. As they get to talking, Kate reveals she only sleeps with men because she likes sleeping with men. No one tells her what to do. And I'll tell you, the bosom on this broad could make your pecker stand at attention at high noon, boy. (laughs) They did say that. They said she was real curvy, but just the nose, like, held her back. She was thick with a couple of C's on the end. Yeah, and so that's Big Nose Kate's going to play a pretty decent role in Doc Holliday's life. They're always off and on in love and... Then one of them leaves, and they get in a fight, and then they love each other again. But a few months later, in a saloon, the other important person walks in, Wyatt Earp, a lawman on the trail of bandit Dave Rudabaugh, who was wanted for train robbery. Oh, this was in the the Beehive Saloon this time. And Earp, so Earp would travel all the way from Dodge City, which was about 400 miles to to chase this train robber. And this is, they encounter each other. Doc Holliday, Wyatt Earp just so happened to see each other in this saloon. The owner was friends with Doc Holliday of the saloon. And Earp needs help trying to find this guy. And the, the owner tells him, like, if you go over, go over and talk to Doc Holliday. He might help you find this guy because he knew that he played cards with him. So Holiday did know of the bandit. And as they sat at the state, they did sit at the same card table together. Doc thinks there's a good chance he could be headed back to Kansas. So before Earp and Holiday had the chance to leave Texas, Doc happens to have another short-tempered moment. Ed Bailey this time. One of the town bullies sits down and plays some cards. And he just can't seem to keep his hands off the table cards. If you go to a casino and try to put your hand on the on the table, like near the dealer's cards, you will literally be cuffed, arrested, and have your hands broken in the back, just like in the movie Casino. Well, you see, he was a right scoundrel, and when a scoundrel moves his hands to the table cards, sometimes you need a little dental justice. You really do. I mean, that's that actually is like, I'm with him on this, where... 
that back then that was a big one. Like you don't touch the table cards like that because you people think you're cheating. Doc warns him twice and says not to touch the cards. Bailey touches a playing card for the last time. Holiday pulls out his blade and disembowels Bailey right on the spot. Slices him right in the stomach. He bleeds out and he's dead. Like a stuffed pig, that boy went down. (laughs) Trying to swindle me. Doc Holiday? Tom? Tom Mack, what fucking name am I going by? It doesn't matter. You don't oh, swindle he's me. Doc, he's Doc Holiday again. I'm, I'm Doc Holiday again, and no one will swindle me. Yeah, and this time, like I said, is that something that's you could like you kill someone for that? He thinks he's all right. He doesn't think he has to run this time because he did the right thing. Turns out it's murder. Who would have thunk? So the the marshal comes in. He's like, son, we need to arrest you. You did the wrong thing. You murdered someone. It's just not good. And the problem was that everyone who knew Bailey started calling for Doc's head. This guy was in the town for a while. So Ed Bailey already had all his friends there. He lived there. Doc was just rolling in. So if you kill someone, all the rest of them are going to turn against you. Now, this is where Big Nose Kate comes back into the story. She hears of the arrest and decides that he would most definitely be killed unless somebody did something to help. Doc was definitely going to be hung for this. Because Big Nose Kate knows the town. She knows the scene. She's, she's, she can, what, is, what am I trying to say? She knows which way the wind's blowing. You could say Kate's been around town. Do you know? Do you know how she got the name Big Nose Kate, Michael? How? When she's sucking your pecker from the back, you would not believe where her nose is. <laughs> and it and it is there, and it is deep. Wow, I didn't know that was why. Big Nose Kate. Mm-hmm. Suck your dick from the back. <laughs> so as the sun goes down. Kate lights a shed on fire around the corner from the jail where Doc is being held. Everyone in town runs out to help douse the flames, except Kate, Doc, and the lone officer left on watch. So it's these three in the jail. The town is going to put out the fire, and... Big Nose Kate pulls out two pistols from under her dress. She demands the guard freeze or die. She takes one pistol, slides it to Doc. The two make a run for the brush and hide for the night while countless search parties pass them by. You ever spend time with a big nose woman behind a bush, Michael? Nah, but I'm... It'll turn you into a man, I'll tell you what. <laughs> Waiting till the morning, they see the coast is clear. They're going to make their way to Dodge City, where Wyatt Earp resides. That's where he was a, what was he? He wasn't a marshal. He was, I don't, he might have been, um, I don't know what he, I forget the title he had, but he a was. sheriff? Yeah, that's where he, he uh, ran out of. So when they get there, they check into a boarding house as Mr. and Mrs. Holiday. There, they try to get used to a normal laid back life. And uh, Kate stops selling her body at this time. And Doc is pretty much doing anything he can to keep her happy. 
But you know with these women. These now, Michael, women, have you seen Tiger King, Michael? Yeah. When that young lady gets her arm torn off, it's very sad. But frankly, you can't, you can't tame the beast. And you can't turn a whore into a housewife, Michael. She gets restless, <laughs> irritable, and discontented because she does not have a penis in her mouth. Oh, my God. It calms her down. It soothes her like a baby's binky. Yeah, you were right because she couldn't take it anymore. And she decided to return to her city life. In the morning, she was gone. Now, it didn't take uh, Doc long to get back to dealing cards in the Long Branch Saloon. And Wyatt Earp had been back in Dodge as a, oh, here we go. He was a city assistant marshal. Serving under Charlie Bassett. Now, everyone around town thought Earp was a little too friendly with Holiday because of his criminal reputation. Luckily, Doc kept his nose clean for the most part. So you got these guys coming from opposite sides of life. Earp is a uh, respected marshal, assistant marshal, and Holiday is a drunken dentist who coughs on people and I'll shoot and stab someone. I resemble that remark. <laughs> yeah, but they're they're friends. Like they get along. Uh, he because he gave them that tip to help find that guy, and they're just they sit down with each other, they talk to each other, and people were didn't feel comfortable because they're like maybe Earp's becoming corrupted. If you if you had the opportunity to deal with a gentleman who was a rootin' tootin', b a former dentist, c a current card shark, d fucking awesome. <laughs> you, you would make him your best friend now, wouldn't you, Michael? You, you, you'd be trolicking, trolicking, or yeah, running through meadows. I would. Shit. I'm just saying, people didn't like it, and it didn't. Uh, a group. This is. Well, the people were fucking sheep. One night, as Doc is laying low, a group of Texas cowboys roll into Dodge City with a herd of cattle. These guys were out of their minds. They would harass everyone, shoot random stuff. Like they'd see like a bottle and shoot it, shoot through a window just for fun, laugh about it. And one night in the saloon, word reaches Doc that the two cowboys named Morrison and Driscoll had Earp cornered and intended to shoot him in the face. So Wyatt Earp is cornered in the saloon and... Word reaches Doc. I think Doc's in the other room or something, or he's, he's close by somewhere. So I was nearby. Yeah, he was there, and he, he gets word of it, and he jumps through a doorway, draws a six-shooter on both men, and when they turn to face him, Earp smacked one over the head with his long barrel Colt. Both of them were escorted to the local jail, and Earp would never forget the night Doc saved his life. Luckily, no one died. He just hit him over the head with the barrel. He had another gun on him, and they took uh, Driscoll and Morris into jail, and justice was served. Card dealer, dentist, Captain Saverhole, and hero. Yeah, and I'm a, I'm a hero. In between all this stuff, Doc gets back together with Kate. They break up again. This happens. I don't even know how many times I just stopped writing about it. This time, her nose went in too far, Michael. Too far. Doc, is he's had enough with Dodge City. It's time to move on. It's time to move and groove. So he makes his way to Colorado, 
I, I don't know much about this part, but he encountered a local cowboy, a local come-upper, a local fucking... It was a new Billy the Kid, but his name was Kid Cotton. And this dude wanted to make a name for himself by killing Doc, and Doc shot him twice and killed him. He sure did want to make a name for himself with a <laughs> stupid name like Kid Kid Cotton. <laughs> what kind of name is that? Name yourself after a fluffy, light substance. It's stupid. It, do, it don't make no sense. You need a strong name like Doc Holiday. Have you ever seen Unforgiven with uh, Clint Eastwood where he's like, it's like a famous Western movie. No, I haven't. And there's this kid that's like, he's, I, when I think people that are listening, they would have seen Unforgiven. The kid in that movie that he like helps out is exactly what I picture Kid Cotton as. He's just like helpless. He keeps moving. He kills Kid Cotton. He goes to Las Vegas and he becomes a dentist again. Surprise. Working on people. What I think, did you stop coughing yet or no? No, cough's still there. <laughs> Coughing on patients left and right. And he got into another shootout with a local, Mike Gordon, and he shot him three times and killed him. Now, a mob formed that time, and they tried to hang him from a tree. He fled back to Dodge City again. And when he got back, something was different. Wyatt Earp already moved out. He moved to a new silver strike in Tombstone, Arizona, where everything was about to go down. What a lovely name for a town, Tombstone. It's almost foreshadowing. Exactly. So what about this silver strike? Is that the same thing as a gold strike? Yes. (laughs) Yes, it is. (laughs) You are you're a master of observation, Michael. It's a it's it's a wonder you're not a dentist as well. Nah, I couldn't do it. I don't have a good enough cough for that. Uh, yeah, yeah, we'll say you call cough. Oh, uh, oh, I see what you did there, boy. With your, your stuttering mumble mouth. Cough, cough, he said, folks. Tombstone was big news. Everyone was heading there to get a piece of the action. Doc stopped off in Prescott, Arizona before he got there because, and then when he did, he hit a string of cards making around $40,000. And he had no idea he was about to run into Big Nose Kate again, who was also en route to Tombstone. She's, she's like a dog, Michael. She just sticks that big nose in your buttocks to see where you've been, to see where you've marked your territory. And it's, it gets old after a while. You just want to have a normal conversation. When I say everyone's moving there, I'm talking about the entire Earp family. There was Morgan Earp from Montana. There was Virgil Earp coming in from Prescott also. And then there was James Earp, who was on his way from Dodge City. See, Wyatt called all them to come, and they get made prominent in Tombstone pretty quick. See, uh, Virgil Prescott... He was his older brother. He had just been made a deputy U.S. Marshal in Prescott. So when he gets too close to Tombstone, he rightfully appoints Wyatt as the city marshal and swears Morgan in as an officer. So now you have uh, three Earps who are in the law now in Tombstone right away. 
And you know, you know, nothing bad happens when uh, cops and, and their brothers all become popes. Nothing, nothing that bad has ever happened in the history of the United States of America. In the movie, though, they make it look like Wyatt Earp didn't want to become law anymore. So they like talk him into it and get in too much trouble till he has to join his brothers. But I, I don't know what's, I don't know. I think they just made him it right away. I had my suspicions that Kate was milking him on the side, uh, taking <laughs> away his, his prostate, just taking away his angst, his rage, his uh, pension for justice. You know, you get you get milked often enough, and you don't really have pension for much. For a while, Tombstone had already been in the grips of an outlaw gang led by Old Man Clanton. They weren't happy about the new law coming in and decided to harass the town even more just to prove a point. They Now, when you harass town, we already talked about this. You're shooting at windows, harassing people, raping people. Now, did they rape people? Yeah, they had to have raped someone. I got to be right by saying that. Statistically, it's probable. <laughs> <laughs> And these these guys were known as the Cowboy Faction. Early October 1880, Doc had his first encounter with Johnny Tyler. He was one of the Clanton gang members. One night in the Oriental Saloon, they got into an argument, but Tyler got out of there without an incident. Now a drunken mess, Doc turns his sights on the saloon owner, Milt Joyce. So, guy from the gang, the bad gang, gets out of there without trouble. He probably just says something. And Doc immediately turns his sights on the, the saloon owner. Now, it didn't take long for Holiday to fire a bunch of shots. One ripped through Joyce's hand. Another shot hit one of the bartenders in the foot. And he went back to pistol whip Joyce in the head. The law did step in. But Doc only had to pay a $20 fine. The law says you cannot touch, but I see some lawbreakers here. Yeah, $20 fine to shoot someone in the hand? That's not bad. It's it's pretty convenient. It's he just not. won 40000 And I'm also a dentist. So I had <laughs> I had what you kids call racks. Yeah, so that's that's not a bad deal. You like you might want to shoot someone in the hand and knowing you're going to pay a $20 fine and just take it just for fun. Shits and giggles. Yeah. So at, and now we're in Tombstone, Doc and Big Nose Kate get back together again. Kate opens up the first brothel in Tombstone. It's And they call these brothels sporting houses. I didn't know what that meant at first. I had to look it up. But it was a, a sporting house is a brothel. Yeah, you you go there to be athletic, Michael. You're gonna put in. A I good thought party. they were. I thought they were playing sports in this house. Let's like, just I thought say, they had a ping pong table set up. We'll just say things get cardiovascular. <laughs> in there. You'll work up a sweat. Again, they start fighting, and Doc throws Kate out of his house. Get out of here, whore! <laughs> One night, four unidentified men hold up a stagecoach on March fifteenth. The Clanton Cowboys decide this is the perfect opportunity to blame Doc for the incident. Because they already didn't like him after that Johnny Tyler shit. They know who he was. 
He already had a reputation of being a gunslinger. Two sheriffs stumbled upon Kate while she was drunk and screaming about Doc throwing throwing her out of the house. So all this was going on at the same time. Mm -hmm. You got these unidentified men. Doc just threw Kate out of the house. She's pissed off. They want to blame Doc for it. And they stumble upon Kate. And they start feeding her more and more uh, whiskey. And they want her to sign an affidavit that identifies Doc as one of the gunmen. The problem was she couldn't sign it because of all the pussy juice on her fingers, Michael. Just slipping the pen right out. Holiday is taken into jail for the crime. Now the Earps are on the scene and they went about trying to prove Doc's real location on that night, try to get him out of trouble. Now when Kate sobers up, she regrets what she has done and retracts her statement. New witnesses start to come forward on Doc's behalf and Wyatt Earp sees how the Cowboys were trying to set him up the whole time. Once again, Doc tried to take care of Kate. He gave her money for a stagecoach out of town. And apparently, Big Nose Kate was never really Kate at all. She was found to be going by at least 10 different names throughout time. Don't trust a whole. Never trust a whole. Don't trust because a whole won't trust me. Ike Clanton, the old man's son, was starting to ramp up his threats against the Earps and Holiday. When the two came face-to-face in the Occidental Saloon, Doc didn't hide his feeling about it. Doc told him to... Get your gun and commence. Virgil and Wyatt were both there that night, and Virgil started yelling how he would have to arrest both of them if anything went down. As Clanton was walking out the door, he shouted, I'll heal you tomorrow when the others come to town. And walking past Wyatt, he whispered, Tell your consumptive friend, your Arizona Nightingale, he's a dead man tomorrow. Wyatt turns to reply, Don't you tangle with Doc Holliday. He'll kill you before you've begun. And as uh, Ike Clanton's going, he says, Get ready for a showdown. <laughs> <laughs> like, just talking like this. Get your gun and commence. Get ready for a showdown, boy. I'll kill you when you come to town. <laughs> The boy, the boy had frankly shit trash talk, Michael. <laughs> just, just shit, big shit. It's real. It's talk. real basic. It, he was, he was a basic bitch. So everyone was expecting pandemonium the next day, and early in the morning, a couple cowboys rode into town. As the men weren't supposed to bring firearms into town anymore, the justice fined them all twenty-seven fifty for breaking the law. No guns in town. You cannot bring your gun into town. Oh no, I'm out forty-seven fifty dollars. Oh no, I'm fucking rich. No, it'd be more than that. No, the twenty dollars plus the twenty-seven fifty. Uh, oh, I don't know. Doc didn't get fined. It was the Cowboys. The never, Cow- never mind. I didn't say nothing. <laughs> the Cowboys that rode in got fined, and Wyatt points his gun at one of their heads. People in town were, like, so happy about this that they, like, served justice to these cowboys, giving them a fine. They were, like, applauding uh, Earp's reaction to it for protecting them. And 
this didn't stop four cowboys from meeting up in a vacant lot. And they were still talking about whacking Doc Holliday. Now, this dude is so funny in the movie. Like, he's such a scumbag. This guy was Sheriff Behan. And he was, um, he was like, so you got the Wyatts that were uh, the marshals and stuff. And then you got Sheriff Behan. And they went up to Behan. They're like, you're going to help us stop these cowboys. And Behan said, that it's not his fight. So he's not going to do anything about it. He doesn't want to get involved. There was, so the four men were waiting in the lot and now walking down the street, the Earp brothers were dressed in straight black while Holiday was in a gray suit, whistling the whole way through town. Passing by the OK Corral, they saw the troublemakers waiting at the end of the alley. And Virgil yells out, You're under arrest for disturbing the peace. (laughs) The next 30 seconds consisted of bloodshed. No one knows who fired the first shot, but it was thought that the cowboys started to cock their pistols first. It is said that Doc's bullet was the first to hit home. And the first shot hit Frank McClory's belly. Now Virgil... In in this whole shooting, which in the movie's like ten minutes long, but it was really just thirty seconds. Virgil gets shot in the leg. Morgan Earp was hit directly in the side, and three cowboys lay dead in the street. And then there was uh, Ike Clanton, who once all this broke out, he started running away, yelling, running away. He was a uh, he was a pussy. Yeah, like he talked all this game, and now he's running away as three cowboys lay dead in the street. The best trash talk is no trash talk at all. It's it's really just a pistol to the face. After The aftermath was these wagons showing up, and they were transporting Virgil and Morgan to their homes, and then there was doctors following behind that, getting ready to heal them up. Luckily, they both survived the ordeal, Still, everyone had to stand trial for murder, but it was quickly determined they were all acting within the law. Back then, you had to just stand trial right away for anything. Dun, 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 dun. Can't touch me. Dun, 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 dun. Can't touch me. After this whole thing, it doesn't like it, it's just not going to stop right there. March 18th, 1882, the Clanton gang strikes again. Morgan Earp was playing pool in Campbell and Hatch's saloon. A shot was fired from outside, hitting Morgan in the back. This time, it was fatal. When Morgan Earp was shot, he was actually wearing one of Doc Holliday's suits that night. Ruined a suit. Can you fucking believe that? No, I can't, Michael. That was one (laughs) of my favorite suits. He ruined your suit. Ruined it. Tell me right now, tell me right now, would you bring back Morgan Earp if you could have your suit? Like, would you either take back his life or your suit? Michael, do you know the kind of head I got in that suit? (laughs) The the wild kind of head. Just the the kind that makes you forsake a life of church going. 
Two days later, they, they went on and killed another cowboy, too. So that's four cowboys laying dead. <laughs> that was just the beginning. Like, this went, this whole thing, they just went on the hunt from here. Everyone in this Clanton gang was being hunted down. In just over a year, the Earp Posse, along with Doc Holliday, eliminated Old Man Clanton, Billy Clanton, Frank McClory, Tom McClory, Frank Stilwell, Indian Charlie, Dixie Gray, Florentino Cruz, Johnny Barnes, Jim Crane, Harry Head, Bill Leonard, Joe Hill, Luther King, Charlie Snow, Bill, Billy Lang, Zwing Hunt, Billy Grounds, and Hank Swilling. How many teardrops do you think I should get? I was thinking two's a little bit much. I'm, I only think you killed like two people. Fuck you, sir. <laughs> Fuck you. Fuck you, sir. When all this killing was done, Doc and Wyatt left Tombstone in May 1882. There were still four more cowboys they were not able to find. So they got to look for these guys. There was a remaining members, and they both promised never to return to Tombstone unless it was to take their vengeance. After riding down to Silver Lake, New Mexico, they sold their horses and took a train to Colorado. This is what the Denver Republican newspaper had to say about Doc. So imagine you're living in uh, Denver, Colorado. You hear about this gunslinger coming in. Now he's got a huge reputation for uh, just a bunch of killing and this is what the Denver Republican newspaper says. Holiday has a big reputation as a fighter and has probably put more rustlers and cowboys under the sod than any other one man in the West. He had been the terror of lawless element in Arizona and with the Earps was the only man brave enough to face the bloodthirsty crowd which has made the name of Arizona a stench in the nostrils of decent men. Lies and slander. No, that's good for you. Lies and slander. I'm a humble dentist. <laughs> that was actually like made him sound like a hero. He was the only one to step up to this. These people. You you know how the media gets, Michael. They like to sensationalize, inflate, and uh, conflate. So uh, that was fake news back then. I don't know what this is. Hold on. I, I just got a Turkish delight or something. <laughs> I'm going to put it in my mouth real quick if you don't mind. <laughs> Members of the Clanton gang continued to go missing. They found the four le- remaining four guys. And whenever Doc was in a certain area, multiple murder cases went down. And he was always found not guilty. They can't catch your boy. They called me Slick, Slick Doc Holiday. They never called you that. I can guarantee they never called you that. No, but Kate did. Aye. In uh, Leadville, Colorado courthouse, records of Doc's arrest are still in the jail system. You can actually go to, is it Leadville or, no, Lead, it's got to be Leadville. Leadville, it could be either. Leadville, Colorado courthouse. You could go find Doc Holliday's records in its jail system. It's not really much of a tourist destination. Yeah, you'll probably never go there. I'm not going there. I can just Google it. By the winter of 1885, Holiday had come down with a bad case of pneumonia, so he moved back to Denver. 
but his condition never got any better. Meeting up with his friend Wyatt Earp one more time in 1886 in the Windsor Hotel, Wyatt saw that Doc looked like a skeleton. His coughing never stopped, and he could barely stand up. (coughs) I'm so weak. (coughs) Dude, you can't cough in the time of corona. Back up there, boy. (coughs) I got more than one pistol in the back of this throat, so damn near a six-shooter itself. Causing plague and devastation. I think the Windsor Hotel is still open now. I'm not really sure, but that's the last place Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday ever meet. Doc had one more hope of healing himself from tuberculosis. He went to Glenwood Springs, Colorado. He thought the sulfur of the hot springs might help, but it didn't help. It turns out sulfur is noxious. He spent his last 57 days laying in bed, and he was delirious for the last two weeks. Doc Holliday passed away November 8th. 1887. I am dead. He was 36 years old. The Greenwood Cemetery sits at the top of a big hill, but at the time of his death, the road was too icy to travel up, so Doc's body is buried in someone's backyard at the bottom, while a gravestone sits as a memorial up top. And this is like uh, in the movie True Grit where... He's like, why don't you bury, please, sir, promise to bury me. Don't leave me out here. And then um, he shoots him. And it's the wintertime. And he says, should have died in the summer. (laughs) Because he couldn't dig through the earth. Yeah, he can't dig through the earth in the the winter. So he's like, he should have died in the summer, boy. So this was the same thing. Couldn't bury his body until summer, and he's buried in someone's backyard right now. You could actually dig up his body if you live there. That's so wild, dude. <laughs> um, not even not that, but, like, you play Call of Duty, right, Mike? Not anymore. Well, anyway, you could have <laughs> just said so. The listeners wouldn't have known. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the yeah. Average- Call, oh, yeah, Call of Duty. Oh, oh Duty, God. The um, I'll speak for myself. I, I play fairly well. I'm a mid-level player. I'm not alive usually for 30 seconds of gunfight. I'm usually, I'm usually 15 minutes, get two kills, maybe three, and then I'm dead in that. The longest I've gone alive is about five minutes at a clip. What the fuck are you trying to say right now? 30 seconds of gunfight is a long time. Hell yeah. I don't know. It might be different back then because of their guns, because they had, like, single shooters. But, yeah, that's it. You could actually dig up Doc Holliday's body if you want. I mean, I'm not telling you to, but it's possible. Fight the Fate podcast does not endorse great robbery. <laughs> it is a federal felony, and I hope you get prosecuted to the full extent of the law. Save me the pinky. Give no, me the pinky I, finger. I don't want to take his body. I want to dig it up, and I want to put it back on the top of the hill. Give me his bones. <laughs> I want his pinky. Somebody probably excavated him already by accident, but we'll never know. And that's the entire episode on Doc Holiday. Anywhere, no, 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 bringing Pike County coal. I'm Mike Bonomo. That's Brian Davies. Night, night. This 
is Fight the Fate.